How are you now? How are you now? Oh, we got a long one. Well, I guess it wasn't that long. It could have been longer. Your Montreal Canadiens lose by a score of 3-2 to two to the Winnipeg Jets in overtime. Hello and welcome to episode, what is it, episode 11 of the Bottom 6 Minutes podcast presented by Habs Eyes and the Prize. I am Matt Drake and that one kind of sucked. I mean, if you're going to lose, just lose in regulation. Don't get the extra point, right? I mean, I'm, I'm not fully on Team Tank, but I almost feel like I'd rather not get the overtime point if they're going to go out and half-ass it in overtime like they did. They really did not look good in that overtime period. I don't know if they're tired or what, but that was a short road trip. It really wasn't a very long one, and you had multiple days off in between. It's not like you had to travel the night before. I don't know. Not the kind of end that you want to the road trip, but it's over. And they lost. So what happened? Well, we had a pretty interesting overall game there. Early on in the game, it's pretty back and forth. Um, You know, both teams are trading chances. Habs get a really gross too many men penalty. I mean, it was just a laborious, horrible change at the bench for the Habs. Nick Suzuki tried to avoid playing the puck, and he did avoid playing playing the puck, actually. But Christian Dvorak just kind of took his sweet-ass time stepping onto the bench, and as a result, six players on the ice, Habs get a penalty, Jets have a very good power play, but the Habs managed to kill it off with a lot of help from Samuel Montembeau and Net. Almost right after they kill that off, it gives them a little bit of momentum. Puck in the neutral zone, Cole Caulfield with a brilliant tap pass through his legs to a streaking Nick Suzuki on the wing. Nick Suzuki cuts on the outside, Blows past Dylan DeMello, cuts to the net, and goes roof daddy with it. one nothing Habs. And just to add insult to injury, Brendan Dillon, for whatever fucking reason, decided to smoke Nick Suzuki directly into Connor Hellebuck after the puck was already in the net. So, real smart move on defense by you, Dylan DeMello, to potentially injure your goaltender. He was fine, but potentially injure your goaltender by throwing somebody in the net in a manner that absolutely did nothing to prevent the scoring chance. Anyways, one nothing Habs, and we keep going. Very soft hook call. Very, very soft hooking call against Rem Pitlick. He did get up near the hands of Pierre-Luc Dubois, but like that, sh- that shouldn't be a penalty. That's incredibly soft. And again, as I mentioned before, the Jets' power play is good. You give him one, right? You can't give him two. Certainly not in the same period. They get it through. Pierre-Luc Dubois gets it. Just kind of moves down to the right, right about the the left faceoff dot and fires at far side, makes it one one. That was the score at the end of twenty minutes. But we go into the second period, and guess who? That top line once again wreaking havoc. Caulfield with a beautiful controlled zone entry passes it over to Nick Suzuki. He shoots, gets mishandled a little bit by Connor Hellebuck, and Kirby Doc cleans it up out front, makes it two to one for the Montreal Canadiens. More on them later. And then we get a little bit of bullshit, some baby back motherfucking bullshit in this game. Of course, now I'm going to get heated. <laughs> um, anyways, what happens, a bit of a scramble at the Habs net, right? Montembeau, he's going to reach back to try and grab it. And Blake Wheeler, while sitting all of his weight on Samuel Montembeau, taps the puck into the net. There will be a highlight of this up in the article on Habs Eyes and the Prize. Um, they challenge it. The Montreal Canadiens, that is. 
Martin Saint-Louis feeling like he's got a pretty goddamn good case, and he definitely had a very good case. But the refs come out with very little explanation, just say the goal is confirmed. So there was a bit of a push by Johnny Kovacevic in front of the net. He did push Blake Wheeler. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to come out right away and say that, but there was plenty of time for Blake Wheeler to not put all of his weight on Samuel Maltambo. And it's just, a, to me, that's a bullshit call. This league still has no idea what goaltender interference is. But anyways, I digress. More on that after I finish the recap. So we, we're now 2-2 on this bullshit goal. We go into the third period, and the third period is kind of where they started half-assing it. I mentioned before they started half-assing it in the overtime. I should say the third period was very, very rough for the Habs. It's like they came out and they were like, you know what? We're going to throw caution to the wind, and we're going to try to play run-and-gun hockey. And it was pretty exciting for about the first, I don't know, five to eight minutes of the period. Uh, Teams were trading chances a little bit. The Habs were pretty involved. But that open run-and-gun hockey was benefiting the Jets more than it was the Habs. Handily outshot in that period, outchanced, outplayed, you could say. But Samuel Montembeau made some ridiculous saves for the Habs. He kept the score 2-2, to two, gets it into overtime. What happens in overtime? Well, about a minute and a half in, maybe a little bit more than that, Kyle Connor, who should have had probably one or two goals in the third period but got robbed or blocked, uh, he just snipes one from the left side, far side, very similar to the goal that uh, Pierre-Luc Dubois scored on the power play, but he scored it at three on three, and that's the game, three to two for the Jets. What did we learn? Well, we learned that half-assing it in uh, the third period in overtime is probably not a good idea, and we also learned that, as I mentioned, the NHL has zero fucking clue what goaltender interference is or isn't. I'll tell you this much. If Brennan Gallagher scored the exact same goal that Blake Wheeler did, I don't think a single person on planet fucking Earth isn't going to acquiesce to the fact that the NHL would have ruled that no goal. And I mean the exact same goal with the push and everything. Brennan Gallagher scores that, it's not a goal. Blake Wheeler scores it, it's a goal. I I, I don't know what else to say about it. I mean, you'll see the highlight in the article. There's a push. I'm, I'm not denying the push whatsoever, but you, you have to question whether the push is enough to make the contact unavoidable because contact with the goaltender is what? It's allowed as long as it's unavoidable. In this case, the contact is avoidable because the push happens and he's got, he's got time. Like the, the, the sticks, like Kovacevic pushes them basically in cross-check style, but not quite a cross-check. He's just kind of leaning on him with the stick and he moves him forward, sure. But then the stick's disengaged, it's not touching him anymore, and he just leans over, basically sandwiches Montembeau between his body and the post. While is trying to reach back with his arm, his arm is clearly impacted from being able to cover up the puck and sweep it away or cover it up and get the whistle. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't know how that's not goaltender interference. I, I'm at a loss. And the league is clearly at a loss. They have no idea what they're doing when it comes to this. They can't establish any kind of clarity on what it is for goaltender interference. I mean, what is it? When is it goaltender interference? When is a push justifiable um, in terms of allowing a goal? That doesn't even make sense. When is a push located in an area or causing enough motion on the player that's being pushed where they're no longer responsible for touching the goaltender? That's what I'm trying to say. (laughs) It took me a while to get it out properly, but like... They have no idea. 
They have no idea. So I think the refs sit there. They look at the fucking tablet. They've got their minds made up already on whether or not it's going to be a goal. For the most part, they're going to always err towards the call they made on the ice because they don't want to go back on their own calls. And I think, as mentioned, they've got certain players in the league where they're going to go, you know what, we don't like you, so we're not giving you the goal. Brendan Gallagher is one of those guys, and I know bringing him up is maybe a little bit silly because he wasn't actually involved in that and it didn't actually happen in this game. But we've seen the same fucking thing happen before with Gallagher. So I don't know what other example I should even give at this point. It's a travesty of the game how terrible they are at managing these calls. And speaking of calls, you know, again, we're treated to another game where the Habs have, what what do they have? One, two, three, four, five minors, and Winnipeg only had two. Now, one of those minors was obviously for the unsuccessful challenge, which, um, (laughs) oh man, that one's going to bother me for a while until the next one, at least. Um, But there was also a couple of soft hooking calls. And I mentioned the soft hooking call on uh, Rem Pitlick in the first period, right? But that one, you know, at least he got him and he kind of held him up near the hands for a second there. I, I guess I could see it. I just felt it was soft. I could see why you're calling it, but I felt it was soft. Now... They called one on Rem Pitlick uh, in the second or third period. When was it? It was in the second period. And that one was just a stick lift. It, like, there was nothing wrong with that. There's no way that's a hook. On no planet is that a hook in the game of hockey. In no universe where hockey is played is that a fucking penalty. The God of Mischief is back and better than ever. Loki. 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 Wow. Great to see you again. Critics agree. Loki season two is marvelous. Great. And it's finally here. How much do you know? Let's assume I don't know much. A mind-bending adventure. Spectacularly cinematic. I've been waiting for a moment like this. It surpasses all expectations. A little over the top, don't you think? I thought it was spot on. Loki season two. Now streaming only on Disney+. Plus. But they called it. Screw a standard, right? We're not going to have a standard of play. They managed to miss uh, Joel Edmondson getting high-sticked. The guy is like seven feet tall. How do you miss him getting high-sticked? you got to be carrying your stick around above your head in order to hit that guy in the mouth. And they missed it. These... This this league is so poorly officiated. You hear a lot of people who are fans of the NBA complain about officiating. Oh, I wish some of those fans would sit down and watch 82 games of an NHL season. They would learn a whole new level of fury for people who wear striped shirts. Oh, wait, they don't wear striped shirts in the NBA, do they? Who cares? <laughs> I guess I've spent already 10 minutes now uh, <laughs> rambling about the officials. It's what I do best. Let's talk a little bit about the players. Uh, that's what this season's about. It's about developments, about trying to get things going in the right direction uh, in this rebuild. And your silver lining of the night, um, again, I got to go with multiple ones. So the first silver lining is going to be the top line. Uh, I, I wrote an article I had to go out on Habs Eyes and the Prize earlier today uh, before the game. And I put out the opinion that I think Kirby Doc should stay on the first line as a winger with Nick Suzuki and Cole Caulfield. I am sticking to my guns on that. I know a lot of people are saying, and rightfully so, you know, you acquired him as a center. He's a natural center, and that's where you want to see him develop. But listen, I submit to you that the Habs have quite a few players capable of playing center right now. 
So you got a bit of a logjam going on there, and they got even more coming. I believe Owen Beck's going to be on this team next season, and I believe that he might be capable of playing third-line or second-line center minutes. So someone's going to have to play the wing, and if it is Kirby Doc, and if maybe that's what Chicago was missing. We talk about people missing the forest for the trees, right? Maybe that's what they were missing, is that he might actually be better served on the wing. I don't know. I will say this. The best production that this team's getting right now is out of that top line, and he seems to be the missing piece. So either they find a winger who can play exactly like Doc, or maybe he's the guy. Maybe he's the guy long-term for Caulfield and Suzuki. Maybe he's only the guy for this season. Right now, it's clicking. He appears to be the perfect player to have on their other wing. I mean... There's been a lot of clamoring to see Caulfield get a chance uh, playing the wing with Doc as his center. I just think it's going to be very tough to separate Caulfield and Suzuki. Look at the chemistry that they have, man. That Suzuki goal, like, Caulfield had eyes in the back of his head for Suzuki. Beautiful tap pass right through his legs, and Suzuki's off to the races and gets a highlight reel goal out of it. And then on the Doc goal, you know, it was those two cooking again. Caulfield finds Suzuki, gets the shot, and then, you know, it was a good shot, good enough to create that rebound the doc goes in and pounds it in i mean you need a guy like that that can go in and get some of those cleanup goals for them you need somebody who can go into the corners doc can do that this line is clicking and i don't think you mess with a good thing i think they got to keep them together and you know towards the end of the year you can reevaluate and decide you know are we going to keep doc as a winger long term or not um but I also understand people saying, you know, you want him to develop as a center, so maybe you want him to play more minutes this season as a center. I uh, I just, I'm not sold on him as a center. I'm not. It hasn't been great at face-offs. Face-offs aren't all that important. Um, and the best that we've seen him, as far as I'm concerned, the best that we've seen from him has been so far on his time or during his time with Caulfield and Suzuki. So I say, I say let it ride. Let it ride, and let's find out. What do you have to lose? Just Alexander Romanov, right? You already lost him. <laughs> Rebuilds are fun. Now, your other silver lining, uh, I got to give him a shout-out. I know he's not necessarily going to be part of this rebuild or going to be around for very long, but Samuel Montembeau was magnificent in that game. He made some incredible highlight real saves mon cher Samuel c'est un match magnifique vraiment vraiment magnifique um, I have not I don't think I've seen a goaltender performance like that this season anywhere I can't think of a time that I saw a goaltender so far I mean it's a short sh- yeah, it's, it's a short run right we're only only 11 games in so there's still time Jake Allen's had some good performances even Montembeau's had some good performances but Montembeau in that game he was incredible I mentioned it when I talked about the overtime goal Kyle Connor probably should have had one or two goals in the third period and one of them was an incredible blocker save I think it was Kyle Connor that shot that anyways but he made a ridiculous blocker save he made a couple of saves with like the uh the knob of his stick like the upper part of his stick he was everywhere and he would have made a highlight reel save on that Blake Wheeler goal if he wasn't interfered with so we're coming full circle, and I'm going to come back around to start yelling about that again. No, I'm not. We're not going to start yelling about that again. We already yelled about it. We already let our feelings out. We're just going to focus on Samuel Montembeau. And 
I got to say, like, he, he absolutely would have made that save if he had the opportunity to do so. So he made, what, on the night, 33 saves, 34 saves. Sorry, I'm on the website right now, NHL.com. I'm just going to go and take a look and see how many saves did he actually make. Yes, he made 33 saves. Um, this through overtime, this through that whole third period. The fact that that third period was scoreless uh, for both sides was largely due to him. This game very well could have been over in regulation time. And I know there's going to be at least a few people listening that are saying, fuck, I wish it was because we don't want the extra point. But you're never going to be able to tell a goaltender, hey, what I want you to do is just let yourself get absolutely lit up in the third period. Um, it's never going to happen, right? Goalies, they got pride like anybody else. They get outshot 11-4 in that third period. And... Fuck if at least five or six of those shots weren't high danger. I'd have to go check natural statric and see what they have to say. But me sitting here right now, having just watched it, I'd say five or six were high danger. They were playing very run and gun there. And um, Christ, you got to hand it to Montembeau. What a game. Maybe, just maybe, if he can play like this as often as humanly possible this season, maybe they find him a new home. You're going to be moving people out of the deadline. There's definitely going to be people on the move. And I don't see why there couldn't be a goaltender on the move. You don't think some of those teams that are struggling in net might want to reach out, get themselves a goaltender that's hot, try to ride that hot hand? Maybe there's a few teams who need a backup. Maybe it comes a little bit earlier than the deadline. I mean, I don't know if Montembeau can do enough this season to put himself in a starter conversation right away, but I think he can do enough to at least get a team interested in having him around and seeing what he can do. So there's value there, potentially. I know I, I think I said this last year a couple of times and nothing happened, but um, I, I just I got a feeling that if he can put it to, like put together more string together performances like that, there's a shot. There's a shot. Anyways. Not much else to talk about in that game. Uh, they half-assed the third period. They half-assed overtime. On to the next one. And the next one is going to be a bit tougher. I think they got who? They got the Vegas Golden Knights on Saturday at home. So let's cut it off there. We're running, what, over 18 minutes. So, señoros, soirée pour les employés de soutien. We are on Spotify. We're on Google Play, Apple, Megaphone. I'm on Twitter at DrakeMT. Drop me a follow. I would appreciate it very much. Thank you, as always, for listening. And, of course... À la prochaine.